Hey everyone, welcome to the Going in Circles Podcast Network. This is the Big Monday Show. I am Charles Simon, host of the Big Monday Show. My co-host, the sniper Mr. Barry Spears, will be with us in just a minute. We're going to talk about the Rebel. Baffert wins again. Seems like he wins every state that they run. Lately, uh, Swiss Skydiver made her return to the races, a successful one. We'll talk about her and where she's headed going forward. We'll talk about a little bit of a made-up controversy from the Essex. People just rub me the wrong way, but um, it does make for interesting discussion. Uh, We'll talk about a little bit of March Madness and uh, a couple other things on the agenda tonight with Mr. Spears. We will be back in just a minute. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, Mr. Spears. Hey, Mr. Simon, what's the deal? The deal is real, my man. The deal is real. <laughs> Isn't it always or only half the time? <laughs> you know, March Madness is upon us. Is that what it's called this year? <laughs> it's March Madness everywhere. It's March. It's March and it's mad. Yeah, it's <laughs> mad already. <laughs> There was a lot of mad people at Oakland the other day. Oh, man. Salty. is the A lot of madness. A lot of madness. A lot of crying. A lot of whining. A lot of, a lot of mad people on the internet. As usual. I had to stay away. <laughs> you did. And, and sometimes those, those threads of pain, they're just like a... I'm like a moth attracted to light. <laughs> that's a good. That, you know what? Light. That's a good way to put it because that that's exactly what happens. It's like I can't. It's such a train wreck. I, I gotta look at it. Sometimes you just can't help yourself. <laughs> uh, of course, if you don't know what we're talking about, I'm sure you probably don't know what we're talking about because we didn't actually talk about it yet. But we will. <laughs> we will. There wasn't a whole lot going around, uh, going on um, throughout the whole country, racing wise, this weekend outside of of Oaklawn. And I'm sure people are going to say, "Oh, they ran that race and this race and that race." Eh, it mm. wasn't all that exciting. It wasn't. It was um, Chalk Fest USA, man. There was a lot of chalk, a lot of chalk. Um, but. The big news, of course, came out of Oaklawn with Concert Tour, who is um, owned by Gary and Mary West and I think maybe Swift Hitter, (laughs) as he has been touting this horse like almost since the horse. Before the debut, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this has been a a long-term tout and... He posted his ticket, a couple of his tickets, which singled him. I mean, he he put his money where his mouth was, which for him is is a hard thing to do sometimes because <laughs> he can be all over the place. But um, he nailed it, and I mean, not only did the horse win the race, but he looked pretty dominant in winning. Um, 
in winning the Rebel, uh, kind of just shrugging off Caddo River. <laughs> that, who, that's an understatement. <laughs> of course, uh, you know, there, there was social media talk. And it's funny because we have to talk on social media nowadays when, when a lot of us aren't able to actually go to the track. But the interesting tactics that were taken by um, Florent Giroux on Caddo River, who is a speed horse, who drew Pulse 1, uh, Concert Tour, of course, drew outside. And Joe Rosario left the gate strong with Concert Tour, which, which I guess wasn't entirely unexpected coming out of sprint races. And being a Baffert horse, Baffert's horses generally are on the leader, real close. And it seemed like, um, I guess the best way to put it was, was that um, he blinked on, on Cattle River. And uh, he let Contratore clear, and then he worked his way outside of him, which for some horses is a fine trip and, and is not a problem. Cattle River didn't really seem to want any part of it. And proceeded to drag him um, up to try to engage with Contratore. And in doing so, used up a lot of his energy. And kind of, I think that it's pretty, you could stay pretty confidently at this point that Cato River is not going to be rated going long. <laughs> well, I mean, to me, it, it looked like they were they were playing not to lose instead of playing to win, if that makes sense. Um, I, I think they conceded that they were going to let Concert Tour go. And I think he got the trip that they ideally wanted. It's just the horse didn't cooperate. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't particularly, if, if I was an owner or anything like that, I would, I would not like that. I'd let, try to let my horse do what he does and, and see what happens. But it looked like they tried to manipulate the situation and try to save some points because that it looked like the way, the way he rode the race, it looked like that they knew that concert tour was the real deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you look at, of course we're, we're looking at everything in hindsight, which always easier you know, thing. Hindsight is vision is 2020. Even blind people like me have, have <laughs> good vision. <laughs> That's why I got the big phone. <laughs> yeah um but <clears throat> there was actually kind of a cryptic tweet by Caton Brader who is the husband of Doug Brader who is the agent and has been the longtime agent for for Florent Giroux from um from the 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 years he was hustling mounts as a bug boy um from me to riding you know Dubai World Cup winners, or not Dubai World Cup, uh, the Pegasus World Cup, and I mean, he's, he's certainly had a meteoric rise to the top, but uh, she kind of jumped in and didn't say too much, except uh, in response to one of my tweets about, you know, my, my comment was that, you know, if I'm a speed horse and I draw the rail and the other speed's outside, I'm going. let me lose doing what I do. Yep. I'm going. If he, if, he, if he wants to get in the duel, let's get in a duel. Make him blink. That's always my kind of attitude towards that. Um, uh, so, especially when you, you have these lightly raced horses that, that haven't 
you know, you haven't really figured out really what they are in a lot of ways. And, and we're talking about horses got two, three, four races. Uh, a lot of times, their first couple of races, they were just better than everybody. And it didn't matter what the tactics were. But um, as you get into these more contentious races and as the races start being two turns instead of one turn, like to me, if you have the rail and, and there's a short run to the turn, just go use it. Just go. If he's got to go 22 and change. And I understand people who, of course, are, are Monday morning, are kind of Monday morning quarterbacking it saying, oh, well, if he had gone faster early. Well, yeah, but. What he did didn't work. So we're going to Monday morning quarterback from our side <laughs> and say, like, maybe Rosario would have taken back and maybe he wouldn't have appreciated that. And, and maybe they would have gotten a speed duel and go at 45 and everybody would call him idiots. But uh, there's a reason these guys are 10%. But the point I was making was Caden kind of didn't intimate, but she kind of intimated that the instructions were not to get in a speed duel. Um. Now, I don't know this for a fact. I could call Brad Cox and ask him, uh, but I'm not going to do that because it doesn't really matter. Right. I mean, it's, uh, at this point, so, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. It, it just doesn't matter. So, um, you know, it's, there's no blame to be and, – and, and not even really assigning blame. Like, I was just saying, you know, if you're going to beat me, beat me doing what I do. And, of course – it might not have mattered anyways. I mean, because Concertor looked essentially once he got the lead, he never looked like he was going to lose. No, he was headstrong and, and ready to go. He was, he was just loaded. Um, I don't know what to think of the rest of the field. Uh, when Cotto river kind of started to tire, um, he, he drifted out pretty good and, and, uh, Caused some interference. If he, if he had held on for a second, he definitely would have been disqualified. But uh, I don't know what to make of the rest of the field. The buyer number came back 94. I haven't seen um, any of the other numbers yet. So, you know, visually it was impressive. But uh, stacking the buyer numbers up, and I, and I understand they're buyers, and some people aren't, like, big believers or whatever. It's, it's what we have, and it's one of the things that we have, and it's – uh, his numbers are kind of right in the middle of everyone else's numbers, except his stablemate. Like, good, yeah, his stablemate. <laughs> um, and now Baffert, it's it's kind of like he has his own wing of this Kentucky Derby. Sports. And that's if you, you know, if if you're gonna really count Spielberg, and I don't, because I'm sorry, Spielberg's got to do a lot more. To, to me to, to really be don't count him out that's all i have to say don't count him out if he's making movies he's cool but other as a derby contender he's just not fast enough. don't count him out that's all i have to say i'm not counting him out i'm throwing him out. oh okay okay i'm throwing him out like like they used like to authentic a... right <laughs> yeah that didn't work out so well but authentic listen authentic could be spielberg if Will Shoemaker came back from uh, <laughs> wherever he is, <laughs> yes, whichever side he went up to, you know, down or up, and he rode Spielberg and I rode Authentic, Authentic would beat Spielberg. And I, I currently weigh probably close to as much as Authentic weighs. So, <laughs> wow, son, that's a beast. But I still got my future book on Medina Spirit. He's, he's, 
he's you know what he is? He's he's the little engine that could. He keeps on running. He's got a good. T- he's just he's always going to be there. And these other ones are going to flame out, and he's going to do it. I, I'm I'm liking that Rombauer one. Well, I got 108 to one, so I like it too. <laughs> I just want him to be in the Derby. That's all. If he makes just it, so I yeah. can say, I got him in 108 to one. I'm not. They, uh, Mike McCarthy seemed to indicate that they were still trying to pick out a race for him. I'm not sure why. Yeah, what's <laughs> taking so what's long? Difficult like, about this. <laughs> you ran like a month ago. Uh, I would think that Santa Anita would probably not be the perfect. Uh, certainly, be easier from the walk him over, but I, I don't know that that race is going to really set up well for um, for Ron Bauer's style, which is a, a, it's more or less a dead closer. Um, you would think that perhaps <coughs> Wood uh, or the Bluegrass, or you know, maybe even the Arkansas Derby. Um, I'd say the wood probably works out better for him. That that you know the way the race may shape with prevalence probably going there. I would think, but who knows? It's it's hard to tell. It's really hard to tell. <clears throat> I mean, it, it's an interesting derby. It really is. Is he kind of got Baffert as the villain? <laughs> like Brad Cox is kind of like the undercard villain, <laughs> and then there's you know Shug's the good guy. Prevalence is like the wild card. Um, you know, the Chad Brown horse, who I can never remember his name, he's kind of lurking there. It's like the 12 to 1 shot that he, he, he he's kind of got like the uh, the funny side kind of look to him, you know, where mm, yeah. he's pretty good. You know, he, he certainly is, he, he's got some ability, kind of rounding at the form, but he's not real flashy. And um, he's he, he can handle that track too. <laughs> And it was funny because uh, I saw where CJ had said something about Aqueduct yesterday being, you know, really fast. And we what? kind of blast for, <laughs> for a couple of weeks straight. It's, it was so ludicrously slow, but. Uh, it's like it's, running by uh, the, on the beach by my house. Yeah, it, It's been really like Deep. super, super, super slow. But um, it'll be interesting to see what happens and, and uh you know, it's like I said, yeah. the field is looking a little deeper now and no one's really separated himself outside of life is good. And <laughs> contra tour. I certainly say, uh, <laughs> you know, contra tour, but um, I don't know. It's uh, well, I'm just so disappointed that it, it looks like the Florida Derby is just going to be a weak race. Well, it's that kind of goes along with <laughs> what the Holy Bull was and what the Fountain of Youth was and, and what the Florida Derby is looking like. Well, are they are they not ducking a great Greatest Honor or are they just nobody's I, here? I don't know that. I mean, there's not a whole lot of horses shipping out of Florida no. having a whole lot of success anywhere else either. So I, I just don't think there's a lot of great two-year-old or three-year-old two-turn dirt types down here right now and um i think there's more more sprinter types that that seem like the the best horses coming out of here outside of greatest honor um who who, who's doing everything right i mean you know that the one thing about greatest honor is people seem like they're overlooking them a little bit because of the competition is is really kind of 
um, you know, faltering. When the horse who runs second to you in the Fountain of Youth, they immediately take the horse off the derby trail. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, that's, that's generally not a sign of confidence in the rest of the field. Um, but but he does he, he, he cleans up on these horses. And that's what you're supposed to do. He's not going in there. And he's not messing around and, and getting a you know a twelve round decision and a split decision. He's he's you know his last race was the last three sixteenths. He, he just annihilated that group. I mean, he just made it. He looked like he was beaten, and all of a sudden he looked like he 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 was winning eased up. So it's it's he's a talented horse. The problem is with horses like him is uh, traffic in the Derby and if your main competitors are going to have a jump at the quarter pole on you, well, not a lot of Bob Baffert horses get run down in the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> so he's got that up against them. And I mean, listen, it's still, there's still a ways to go and there's no guarantees that any of these horses are going to get there because we've seen it so many times. Oh, day especially up. with these horses <laughs> who don't have a lot of seasoning that they get hurt. And, um, We'll see. We'll just, it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting derby. Honestly, it's, it's turning out to be a little bit better. Like concert tour really kind of exceeded my expectations. I just thought he, um, coming off of that win in that sprint where he had to work real hard. Uh, but Baffert, I think is changing up his tactics a little bit because his horses used to just, they blow out, win, blow out, win, blow out, win. But like even last year, authentic, was all out in the Haskell. I mean, all out to beat a horse who's never come close to winning a race again. And from there, he, he just used that and springboarded onto big race after big race after big race. The only race he he was even, you know, challenged too badly. I mean, he, he was challenged in the Derby by Tisdall. It wasn't like he won by 10, but, um, you know, getting beaten the Preakness by Swiss Skydiver, who came back. And the funny thing was... Uh, I'm going to humble brag again. I threw her out in the Breeders' Cup, but I thought she was a great bet the other day. She kept drifting up, and I kept thinking, why? Yeah. Should I bet this horse to win? But I said, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to make a big bet to win, and as soon as they load in the gate, she's going to go to 3-5, and I'm going to say, why did I bet this horse at 3-5? But she really looked good. She really looked yeah, good. Yeah, she needed the freshening. I mean, you said that way back when when she lost in the Breeders' Cup that she, she probably was going to be spent. So time time – you know, off did her. I watched, I watched this, this, this thing about Lawrence Taylor on YouTube the other day. Ooh, LT. And, and, and one of the guy, things the guy said was, you knew at some point in some way he was coming. He was <laughs> going to make a play. It was going to happen. And there wasn't anything you can do about it. And that's how I felt with Swiss Skydiver last year. At some point, all the travel, all the hard races, all the, the, the works, all the, the the all the things she was lauded for were going to work against her, and you know, obviously she had a stumble in the Breeders' Cup, and she just wasn't the, that just wasn't the same horse as it well, was. Well, yeah, before. I think and, that was that not may the same horse. We, we, you know, it's not the same horse that we we saw here uh, on Saturday. She was she was very very impressive Saturday. It was a decent field of, of kind of up and comers, and she won pretty easy. Um, at a mile, which is probably a little bit uh, shorter than she really wants to go. I mean, she's shown the ability to win at a mile and a quarter. So uh, she won the Preakness at mile three sixteenths. 
certainly she's a horse that, that can get the distance, but backing up to a mile and um, it, was a, it was a good race for her. Uh, now, Kenny McPeak um, is considering the Apple Blossom, which is supposedly where Monomoy was, girl was going to go. Uh, and, and I'll give Kenny a lot of credit. I mean, he's not ducking anybody. I break his chops all the time. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is that when he gets a good horse, he, he runs them. And, I, I mean, you can't criticize uh, him for that. But it would be great to see that matchup. That, that would really be a great matchup. Oh, be a hell of a matchup. <laughs> I mean, we talked about it a million times. We want to see these horses race against each other have great races. They don't always just have to be in the Breeders' Cup. Now, if you think about the two careers of these two horses, right, when, when we look back, if Swiss Skydiver beats Monomoy Girl or, or gets beat a nose to her in the Apple Blossom. Rematch. Then all of a sudden, like, the Breeders' Cup shouldn't be the only time those two fillies get in the gate against each other. It just shouldn't be. They're the two best fillies run against each other. You know, one of the one, one of the, actually this, this kind of this news really kind of like hit me hard Saturday night when we found out that Marvin Hagler had died. And Marvin Hagler was one of my first like real heroes. He was a guy that wasn't like everybody else, <laughs> and you just listened to him. And and obviously, he's from Brockton, Massachusetts, and, man. He's, he's from yeah. the the crib. He's from Newark. Nah, he Brockton. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, Brockton until he was like yeah, 16. he was older. Yeah, but yeah. So he'd already been in like four thousand <laughs> fights before that. <laughs> but it really, it really kind of hit me, um, because he was a guy, and, and like I said, sports coverage, just media coverage in general, is way different back then than it is now, where it's just wall to wall, and anytime you want to watch anything about anybody, you could just just dial it up on YouTube or wherever. But I remember they did a piece on him. Um, he was fighting. Uh, this was like after. Um, I can't even remember. He was fighting the guy from Italy. Fulio Bells, he used to call a guy. And oh, they did an interview. And the guy from Sports Illustrated went there. When Sports Illustrated was like the greatest uh, journalist to- it was the only right. It, it was like the best. Like the sporting news got a lot of, you know, you'd get the sporting. We'd always get the sporting news and Sports Illustrated every every week, and the sporting news had a lot more scores and, you know, but the Sports Illustrated was the, the in depth stories and, and just the fact that Hagler was this guy who fully dedicated himself to the only thing he cared about was winning the fight. The guy in front of him, he turned the guy into the enemy. He called it war. He, he would jog uh, the 30 degrees temperatures on the beach in combat boots. You know, he hated the guy. He hated he He dedicated every single ounce of, of him into um, into fighting the next guy. And, 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 uh, and it was just kind of like it showed you that like, to do great things, you really have to be completely committed. To, to do things. And this was an ordinary guy. This wasn't, uh, I mean, he was 160 pounder. He stayed in that weight class his whole career. Nowadays you see boxers, they go, uh, you know, Manny Pacquiao started out at, at like a uh, flyweight and wound up at, at middle almost. 
but he stayed at the same weight class and he fought everybody and, and, and they wouldn't give him a chance. They wouldn't give him a chance. They wouldn't give him a chance. And, you know, finally he got through and he, he got his chance and, and he just seemed indestructible. I you know like the guy was just, um, like he was 66, but I mean, only 66, 66. He's not that much older than we are, you know, but it just seemed like this bigger than life figure that I'm a, yeah, that's that's nuts, man. I mean, he he was one of my fondest memories, you know, growing up watching uh boxing with my dad was was him and and uh Sugar Ray Leonard fighting. I'm so I mean, mad about it, that fight. <laughs> burned into my brain for for life. Um it was amazing. You know, it, it was crazy because at the time we had just got cable. Yeah. You know, it wasn't available in our area. <laughs> Yeah, that's how old I am. Um, and we were able to watch it on HBO. And, and it was like the highlight of my life at the time. <laughs> I thought it was the greatest thing I ever saw. I mean, the, the fight against um, Tommy Hearns, which everybody remembers now because of the, 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 the greatest first round in the history of boxing. <laughs> and then, you know, him knocking Hearns out. And there's a great, uh, if you go on YouTube, Legendary Nights. HBO used to do these great specials. Uh, about boxing and they were basically kind of a storytelling about that particular fight how it came to be the fight itself and then the aftermath and and, and that was a great great story about uh, about him and Hearns and people now don't realize like how big it was I mean oh, it's huge. it was it, it was what everybody talked about everybody I remember watching watching the fight closed circuit and, and that was the other thing that used to happen it talk about like how, how things have changed and you can watch um like the zone you can uh, it's a it's a it's an app on your phone <laughs> you know like you used to have to go to these places um right you just go to a closed a circuit thing sports it. Bar like a, or something it was like simulcasting for but for yeah. boxing and it, <laughs> it was it was crazy but um yeah, it was, it was just a sign of how everything is, is changed. And racing has changed so much because, uh, you know, those, those days where horses had two-year-old campaigns, not just a start or two, campaigns. And they would well, have two-year-old I mean, campaigns about... before they, they ran in the derby. And now we have horses that are... are are running, um, you know, have two starts. The Derby is like 45 days away. <laughs> Prevalence has never gone two turns. It's a mile and a quarter. <clears throat> and and no one thinks anything of it. And that's the funny part about it. That's crazy to me. You just keep looking at it and people say, well, Justify. Well, Justify was the only horse that's ever done that. But someone made a good point to me and they said, well, if everyone in the race is, is, uh, only has four or five race starts, then, well, yeah, someone's going to win, <laughs> right? It's yeah. not like there's two horses trying to buck tradition. Now we have 10 of them, or 10 of them, and it's, it's, it's just uh... – Well, just think about, you know, uh, Ali Dar and Lafern. How many times a day they run against each other? 
I think I think a firm <laughs> I think a firm ran seven or eight times as a two as year a old. Two year old, yeah. Right. As a two year old. Um it, it just is I remember uh, when Easy Goer came back, he was pointing for the Derby when Sunday Silence beat him in the Derby. And he came back, I think, in the swell. And then he ran in the Gotham. And then he ran in the the, the wood. <laughs> and this all happened in like five Three weeks. weeks. Yeah, right. <laughs> like bang, bang, bang. And and it just it just goes to show you how, how much and it I mean, obviously it didn't work because he got beat, but he got he got beat you know, arguably by a champion. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And, and on a, <laughs> a track that he didn't particularly like. So it's not like it didn't work, work, but uh, it's just very, very odd to me that that we've gotten to the point like helium. Um, oh yeah, man. I don't think helium <laughs> has a shot. I don't think he's nearly good enough to win the race. I, I he just has never shown that he's nearly good enough to win the race, which is why I would be running him in another prep to try to get him to take that next step. Um give him more seasoning to get him fitter and I, I think that's the one thing that that um gets lost in this is that you got to be super fit to win going a mile and a quarter and the thing that Baffert has over everyone else and I'm sure everyone's gonna say well he's got drugs but <laughs> and, and listen I you know I, I'm like everyone else I, I watch his horses run and they run like like it's like they're Forrest Gump, you know. They right. So whatever, you know. Like I, I don't. I, I'm not making any allegations. I'm not defending anyone. I'm just pointing out the facts. And the fact of the matter is, he doesn't run short horses. His horses train hard, hard, really, really hard. And well, that's the thing that I don't get is how come nobody else catches on to this. I don't know. I don't. I don't see anybody else doing it. When I worked for Alan Jerkins, we trained horses hard. And they ran hard. So he would do, you know, he he would work. I remember one time Mike Smith came and worked Sky Beauty and she was off of a layoff. And I remember Mike telling me this. He worked like seven eighths and 125. Seven eighths tells it all at Belmont. Not, not, <laughs> not, you know when Belmont was, you know, not like Sandy Wiki Wicked Fest, right? Mm-hmm. And the chief was mad. And Mike Smith came back and said, "Well, she wasn't even blowing hard." And he's he got mad. He goes, "That's the whole point. The, <laughs> the whole point is to get them to blow hard in the morning, so they don't blow hard at night in the afternoon. Don't train, just just ride, you know." So. She went out. I think she won anyways. She she won almost every race anyways. And, I was gonna say yeah. she was a freak, but, man. <laughs> but he was mad. You know, he was he was mad. Of course, he he was mad a lot. But uh, later that fall, yeah, she had gone through kind of a tough campaign, and he wanted um he wanted like a seven ace and one twenty five work. And Mike worked the horse seven ace and one twenty two and change. Oh my god! Why'd you work her so fast? He said, last time you told me I worked him too slow. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Smitty. 
uh, you know what to do. We won the <laughs> Jockey Club Gold Cup with a horse named Wagon Limit. Oh yeah, I, told you, I think I've, I've told the story on this podcast before, but he came in one day and he had just finished like second or third in an allowance race, and then he ran him into Woodward, and he, you know, he kind of ran all right, but he really thought that the horse wanted to go a distance. He really thought he was a true distance horse, and. Uh, I don't even know if it was a mile and a half then or not. I can't remember. But Skipaway was the big favorite. And he Skipaway had had a long career at this point. And he had danced a lot of dances. There was a horse named Gentleman from California mm-hmm. to Richard Mandela trained, who was a really good horse, a South American. Argentinian, right? Yeah, see, he was, a, I think, Argentinian. Um, and about. Two weeks before, I had no idea he was pointing his horse to the jockey at Gold Cup because he wouldn't tell us a lot of times. He comes in and he's like, like he's like beside himself. <laughs> and I remember because he used to go home, and he'd always go home, and he'd, he'd uh, eat lunch, take a nap, and come back. And I remember he's seven years old at this point too. It's not like he was forty, so he'd come back like three o'clock quarter to three and we'd get the horses out we'd feed the horses we'd go pick weeds we'd go you know a couple hours we always spent a couple hours we you know maybe some horses we put in ice we had a jogging barn at belmont we used to exercise the horses some afternoon so so remember this particular day um he comes back at like 1 30 okay. so that's like my rest time you know and he drives up and i'm like man what's he doing back here so early? And he comes in the office, he looks at me and he, he, he's almost in tears. And I'm thinking to myself, like maybe he got in a fight with Liz, you know, his wife. I'm like, what are you doing here? And he, he says something like, this game's passed me by. I got to give it up. And he stormed into the back room and slammed the door. So that could mean like a million different things. <laughs> so, so I just carried on and ate my lunch. And he came out, and he he slammed the door, and he was muttering to himself. And I said to him, "You know, it's only one thirty, right?" Because <laughs> and he just he just like he was just like he almost couldn't speak. I couldn't. I was like, "Why is he so?" You know, I, I just and and well, sometimes he wanted you to like he was trying to bait you into talking to him. Other times he literally just didn't want to be talking. You know, you're pissed off and you just don't want anyone to. Yeah. So I just said, yeah, I'm just going to leave him here. You know, so. But he goes in the feed room, he messes around 10 minutes, he comes out. He's come on, let's go pick some dandelions. So we get in this car. He had one of those big maroon caddies, you know. Um, (laughs) So we go in the back at Belmont by the the pony track way in the back and we're picking weeds. and, And I'm like what's wrong? Like, why are you so upset? And he's like, I forgot to enter a horse. So I'm like, who? And he's like, I just blew the jockey club gold cup. So now I have no idea what he's talking about. Right. So I'm thinking to myself, jockey club gold cup isn't for a couple more weeks. <laughs> you know. Like, so I was like, I don't follow chief. What are you talking about? He's like, wagon limit. I was going to put him in that mile allowance race, but I forgot. Because, uh, you know, he wouldn't tell the jock agents either a lot of times he was going in races. Sometimes he had a plan. He, he, he didn't know he was putting a race until he picked the phone up and made the call. So 
I was like, well, what's that got to do with Jackie Gogolka? Well, I was going to use that as a prep. So I was like, well, you know, the horse works really good. Why don't we just work him a mile? So, you know, he didn't say anything. And we picked the weeds and we went back to the barn. He said, uh, I think Mike Kelly was Robbie Davis's agent at the time. I can't remember. I think it was Mike Kelly. Um, and he said, call Kel. Tell him, bring Davis over here tomorrow after the break. We'll work him a mile. Good idea. So <laughs> Davis comes, works the horse, goes on like a mile and 138. Like at Aqueduct, that, that would that would win a grade two by like five lengths right now. And of course, he runs in the Jockey Club Gold Cup. Gentlemen and Skipway go crazy on the front end, and he picks up the pieces and, and comes up the inside and 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 uh, you know wins it. it. Was I think that was his only uh, his only win in the Jackie Gold Gold Cup? But um, though I could be I could be wrong. He might have won it back before before my time. But um, it was just a point of like he was going to enter the horse two weeks before, and, and then you know the substitute was to work a horse a mile. And one thing about Baffert is that those horses work five eighths and fifty nine, three quarters and ten, three quarters and eleven, three quarters and twelve, in between the races. And he has the luxury of having seemingly an unlimited bench of good horses, one after another after another. So most trainers, most trainers never get any of those type of horses. Most trainers, if they get one decent horse, one good graded stake type horse, they get one and they protect them and they live and die with that one horse because they don't have that many or, or even if they get a couple. But very few guys can look down the bench and, and see this one and that one and this one and that one. And then the horse that won, um, what was the horse that won, broke his maiden in the four horse race against the Philly the other day uh, at Baffert's. It was all kind of touted. Oh, I know what you're talking People about. People were putting that horse in the derby already. It was like, let, let's let him beat more than three horses. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, but um, that's that's one of the reasons, that's one of the keys to the kingdom is that the guy doesn't run short horses. And even though the other guys think their horses aren't might not be short, you can only half mile and 50 half mile 51, half mile 49, half mile 47 and 4. You can only do that so many times. And you can only get so fit doing that. It's like NBA shape. You know what an NBA guy misses four or five days? He's out of shape. And and and, and it's like, well, it's going to take him a couple of days to get, you know, you know, it'll take him a couple of games to get back up to speed because they have this this unbelievable shape there and they're just like, you know, Oh, it's different. Just it's, missing it's just a whole few different... days, right? And yeah. that's one of the things like college guys talk about when they go from college to the NBA. Oh, the wind. Like, you can't get your wind right. when you're playing like, at that like, level. Like, like, man, I thought I, I thought I was in shape, but I'm not even. And working. this is, you know, this is coming from somebody who's who's seen it and done it. You know, it's a whole different ball game, from the shot clock to to the way your mind has to work. Everything is faster. The players are more athletic. Everything is just souped up to another level. And, and, and yes, that that's kind of like grade one races. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And and you just can't give an inch. Um, and it, it's it's one of the reasons he's successful. Again, it, it's it's gotten to be where, I mean, this is not like a new thing. 
Um, it's not like he hasn't always trained horses hard like this. And yeah. he did go through a period of time where he wasn't as successful. Um, he didn't have seemingly a, a, a stranglehold on, on this division every year with three or four or five of them because Todd Pletcher gets a lot of good horses and Chad Brown gets a lot of good horses and, uh, you know, Chug McGay gets a lot of good horses and uh, Steve Asmussen gets a lot of good horses. But those guys are on the derby trail. They're, they're always on the fringes of the derby trail and then maybe they got a horse steps up and becomes a, a, a contender. But this guy is front and center every single year now. And it's, um, I get why people have that Baffert fatigue. I understand it. I, I, I too, listen, right. I get, it's like the golden state warrior. I get, like, I get right, sick. Of, enough. I get sick <laughs> of racing nowadays. Often. I get sick of seeing the same old, same old, same old, same old, same old. And I'm talking from the bottom to the top, but, you always come back. I mean, it's not like I'm gonna just so I'm I'm walking away from the game because this guy wins too much. No, no, not not at all. But it is it is understanding. I, I do understand that when people are frustrated because it, it it just seems it just seems not. It just seems like. We're missing a piece of this puzzle. You know what I'm saying? And I'm saying yeah. this as a person who's been on a backside since I was 14 years old. So, like, I'm not saying this as a, a naive person or as a person who, who just makes stuff stuff on the internet or is a you know uh, <laughs> riding show horses or something like that. I, I get I get like that, but part of that is like. Well, it's like, you know, with a kid with, called with, me today, he wanted some advice. He's thinking about going on his own, training on his own. Okay. And okay. I said to him, I said, listen, man, I'll support you. I'll help you. I'll do what I can for you. Uh, I said, I'll certainly give you any advice you need. If you ever have a problem, you ever need someone to talk to. Sure. I go, but just remember one thing. That training horses in 2021 is not about you. It's not about how smart you are. It's not about how hard you're going to work. It's about one thing. And the one thing is you got to have the horses. And it doesn't matter if I sound like the rock. It doesn't matter. (laughs) But it doesn't matter if you're talking about grade one horses, about uh, state bred horses, about claiming horses, about maidens. You got to have the horses that can win at the class that the people are allow you to win at. And even then, uh, one of the reasons why I stopped training was I had so many horses in my barn that just simply couldn't win anywhere. It didn't matter what I did with them. I, I was talking to Shug about that <laughs> this spring, or excuse me, this uh, that last fall, we were talking about, you know, how the games changed and this and that. And I said, you know, really the tough thing is, Shug, it's that you never had to deal with this. I go, but a lot of guys do. And then you get these horses that nothing works and they might even actually show a little bit of talent here and there, but you try blinkers, you try turf, you try cutting back, you try a different jockey, you try earplugs, you try different bits, you try different shoes, you, you try different training, you train them hard, you train them easy, you walk them into a race, you, you drill them and nothing works. You drop them, nothing works. And those are the frustrating ones because when you have a barn full of those, 
you're going to work knowing headache. that nothing you do is going to really probably make the difference between winning and losing. And you're not training anymore. That you, you all of a sudden you basically you, you're training a, a riding academy, and all you're doing is working to pay the help. And and that's the frustrating part for most trainers is that most horses are like that. That you're trying to keep them sound, or you're trying to uh, find their level, or, or you know, there's less of an art to it nowadays than there ever was. There's too many condition climbing races. There's, there's not like even the reading of the condition book has gotten to be where you just circle a race and that's the only race you really want to run. And now that people aren't used to running horses back every two and three weeks, they're not concerned with missing four five, six, seven weeks. As a matter of fact, a lot of guys like that. So, it just takes it, it just changes everything and it becomes more of a talent it's a war of of of, of talent not a war of training it, it's it's just a a talent thing and that's a super trainer super trainers they they're all like great horsemen there's not a super trainer that's successful that's not a great horseman and i'm just putting that out there and of course there's some juice guys we know who they are we've known who they are and they are what they are but the true guys, the guys we're talking about, the Asmussen's, the Pletcher's, the Chad Brown's, uh, you know, those guys are good trainers. They're 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 excellent. <laughs> they're very good trainers above but average. Now <laughs> they've got all the good horses, and that's the thing is that the second tier guys, it almost doesn't matter what you do with your horse because they're going to have one that's going to beat you, and and that's 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 the part that that really affects the structure of the sport. The the, 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 the foundation is cracked because it's so hard for the B-level guys to win anything but B and C-level races. And, and right. it's, it it's, like a, it's like, you know, you bust your ass to get a horse ready for, let's say, like a, 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 a $20,000 claimer and get them ready. Everything's cool. And then the entries show up and there was you know, two or three horses dropping down from 50. That's the truth. It's got to take the wind out of your sails. I, I left Monmouth you know. Park because of that. I love Monmouth Park. I thought Monmouth Park in the summer to, to, to be around, to go there every day. It's a great, it's an awesome track to hang out. Um, it's, a, it's a nice area. Traffic sucks a little bit. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's just a, a, like going to the races a day at Monmouth Park, it's just a it's still it's one of the my favorite places to go and I, I like the people there I, I just like it you know it's it's one of those meets that that you just look forward to and enjoy being there but i left because i got sick of it um and jason service at the time hadn't quite got as prominent as he turned out to be but he was starting to in navarro um was killing us. He was just killing us. And my owners got to the point where they didn't want to run when he was in a race, especially if he was dropping something that, that, that where our horse, even if he ran his best possible race, even if he was going to be seven lanes clear of the rest of the field, we probably weren't going to win and we couldn't claim the other guy's horse. And they just wanted to scratch and run out of town. And I, I, I just got to the point where I said, I, I don't, you know, this, this sucks. And 
you know, it was always on the back of my mind to try to go somewhere. And the winters were killing me too. I'm not going to lie. The, the, the winter, the prior year to the, the, the winter prior to me leaving for South Florida full time, we had 27 horses or so thereabouts in training. And we had five starts going into May five. Oh my God. It was, it was, <laughs> it was brutal. brutal. It was just brutal. It was terrible. We were training um, in Pennsylvania at Penn national and, uh, the the it's not exactly like uh it's not glamour no um and we were at a farm in, in jersey at a training center and it just was the thaw and freeze and thaw and freeze and it was just so hard to get anything going and it was a factor though the factor was that you weren't almost looking it was almost like you weren't looking forward to the summer because you knew that this this was gonna they were gonna get rolling and you know and Claudio Gonzalez started winning all the races and there was like three guys they would just bury you and it was just hard to compete and I wasn't a true claiming guy I had I'd raced in claimers um, but we didn't claim a whole lot of horses we were the guys that they claimed off of more more you know we wouldn't usually claim back most of the time I'd had people homebreds and things like that and we just run them competitively and if they got claimed they got claimed and that was just the way it went but um it's frustrating it's very very frustrating uh, i know a lot of trainers are frustrated i know a lot of trainers are frustrated because they feel like the tracks treat them as second class citizens which is probably true in, in a lot of cases um they feel like they're forced to run in races that don't suit them to make the race go for a guy that's going to run a horse who's going to be three to five in there. And that's, that's true. We see it all the time. We see it all the time. Um, but by the same token, I get the track, the, the racing secretaries under pressure from the guys who have all the power, who have all the juice, who can make a phone call and, and, and go over their head. So it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a shitty situation in a lot of ways. And part of that is the contraction of racing. People think we can contract to, Success, I, I just don't see it. I just don't see that happening. It just doesn't make sense to me that we should be trying to, to be as big as we can. And that doesn't mean run shitty cards. That doesn't mean run four horse fields so we can run five days instead of four, or four days instead of three. But the defeatist attitude in this business that, that permeates throughout the entire business, it's, got, it's affecting people who are betting, who are to, who kind of some in some ways are, are, are sick of the boogeyman um, the elite turf club people um, the the training community outside of the top few handful of guys uh, feels that way in, in a lot of areas a lot of the owners that are not billionaires feel the same way um, and the people who work at the tracks <laughs> And we've talked about that, the, how the effect of the shrinking of the game has affected them, where they were getting paid a per diem and, and they were working five days and now they're working four, in some cases three. Well, they might have given them a little bit of raise, but they're still making less money. And, and, and you know, where, where do you live that expenses go down? <laughs> Nowhere. So I, I remember I lived in Hollywood Circle. One winter when I was working for Tom Skippington, this has got to be back in 1990, 
two, maybe. Um, me and a, a guy named Xavier, he, he's actually a trainer, and, and he trains for BYU's in France. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name because it's got <laughs> starts with an N and it's got a lot of vowels. He was actually the coolest French guy I've ever met. <laughs> so what are you trying to say about French people? Man? Well, I'm just saying he, he, he was like a real guy, man. He was he was funny. He <laughs> he uh <laughs> he learned English around the barn, you know, so <laughs> his language was a little rough. And uh we were in Publix one day and his mom, his dad is was a famous trainer. His dad actually trained the horse to one yard for Triumph. Horse name, as they say, Detroit, but we call it Detroit. Um, back in like <laughs> 1978 or 90 or 80 or something like that. But um, <laughs> we were at Publix, and uh, you know it's a grocery store in Florida, and we had a full cart, and he had a card that his mom had given him from France to use, and the card didn't work because he. He apparently had gone over the limit and he started cursing like a like a dog right <laughs> and, and this is like 11 o'clock on, uh, on a tuesday in Publix in hollywood florida which meant 80 percent of the people there were little old ladies you know <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking at him like mortified you know and he's like what 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 did i say i was like no not proper not proper and he's like what and i mean it just was like Funny, it wasn't funny that we, we I, I had I only had like 20 bucks, so it wasn't funny that we had to like essentially leave all our groceries there and, and like slink out of the store. And everybody thought he was like a maniac, but <laughs> but we lived in a place I think it was $300 a month. Wow, son, that's unheard of. It was it was like a it was like a studio, a little studio apartment, <clears throat> but but we split it. I, I think it was 300 or 350 a month. And believe me, it's way more than that. You can add a you can add a zero. So, <laughs> everything's going up. It, it's one of the reasons why why I I worry about the game in a global view, a, a global view of, of 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 us in North America, not a global global view, but from the point of the handle is stagnant, and it's been stagnant. It's not growing, and if you're not growing, then you're losing because inflation causes prices to go up every year. Everything gets more expensive. Everything gets more expensive. When I first started training, 1999, I paid $7.50 to freelance riders to ride a get on a horse. Oh, my God. Seven fifty. Um, I think at most tracks now, it's between 15 and 20 it's basically doubled um, in 20 years. Now, what I paid for hay and feed varied wild. You know, it, there's a, a huge variance depending on where you are in the country. If you live in the, in South Florida, you're going to pay through the nose because nothing is grown here. Everything is shipped here, and, and you're basically paying all that extra money for shipping. But um, I remember getting at Penn National, we would get local hay. It was good stuff, too. For like five or six dollars a bale, big Damn. three wire bales, bales those same bales down here, thirty eight dollars. So, day rates have gone up, but they haven't gone up nearly as much as they needed to 
to keep up with with inflation. Uh, and yes, I know that a lot of people out there are probably saying, "Shit, I'm paying my trainer 110 a day." Well, it's probably costing him 115, especially if if he's in a a, a state or he's had issues with workman's comp which is just an expense that eats you up because it doesn't benefit you. Yes, you have to have it because you have to protect your, your yourself and your employees. You don't want someone to get hurt badly. They, they need to be taken care of. But it, it's not as though the more you pay for it, the better it is. It's not like that. If I, if I spend and I get the best hay, it's the most expensive hay and the most expensive feed, well, I should see some benefit in, through my horses. Right, it's like imaginary cost. I get the best blacksmith. I get, you know, it's it's you get the best help. You pay them a little more than everybody else. The extra money, you you should see something from the other end. Workman's comp, like it doesn't goes into thin air. No, it's just gone. It's 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 like uh, it sucks, but you know, it's it's a required thing, and it's harder to get, and it's it's not easy. if I decided to go back to training, I don't know that the company that had me for years and years and years and years would, would take me back, especially if I didn't have a bunch of, you know, a big outfit, to, um, a big premium. I, I don't know. I, I really don't even know. So uh, it's expensive, though. It, it really is. It's, it's uh, when people hear trainers complaining about expenses, it, it's, it's, tough, it's tough to do business. I, and I don't want to get into any political bullshit arguments, but, you know, this quote-unquote living wage. Um, it's going to price a lot of people out of a lot of things. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, I, I don't – we're not McDonald's. No. These, are, these jobs are hard. And, and, the, and the grooms and the, and the hot walkers and the riders, they should be paid well. But this should not be an hourly type of situation. It just shouldn't be. It, it's not – the care of an animal isn't um, uh, a minutes and seconds and hours thing. It, it's the care is proper. The care is proper to, to do it right. Some horses you can do quickly. They'll let you work around the fast. Matter of fact, a lot of them don't want you to mess with them that much. Other ones take time, take more time. And we shouldn't, uh, I'm not saying that people shouldn't be compensated for the time, but, We've done this for a long time uh, on a per horse basis, and it worked, and it worked fine. And now state labor boards are are causing us to try to have to pay guys by the hour. Well, yeah, it's like trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. It's just it's just not conducive to the the work environment, and how things work around the track. So I can I can definitely understand that point of view think about a groom who's got a horse think about the groom who's got a horse like going for the kentucky derby right this is like 24 7 man that's what i mean and you want to be around the horse you want to be there you don't want someone to fill in for you you want to make sure everything's fine especially those last few weeks before you know you're the and the other thing is the horses know when there's someone different the horses know and it doesn't mean the guy filling in isn't a good groomer, a good guy, no, whatever. Just, but they know what they're used to. There's a difference. Right. And, like, you're going for uh, a chance of a lifetime, right? And now you have some lady in the labor board saying, no, you can't work seven days in a row. No. You got you to gotta stay home. No. Can't come in. 
So, you, you know, you, you make people break the law to do the right thing, to do what they want to do. And that, to me, that that's, I don't like that. And I'm not saying that, uh, that people shouldn't be paid, but at some point, we can't all just start charging $200 a day to take train a horse. And the owners can't pay it, and the, the money doesn't exist to, 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 to have this work. It's like, um, I don't want to tell, I also don't want to tell a groom, I don't want to tell a guy who's taking care of a horse, who loves his horse, that he's got to be out of the barn by 10 because I can't afford to pay him and I don't want to break the law. And that, that, that kind of, you know, that I don't like that at all. I don't know how assistant no. trainers are supposed to be paid because the fact of the matter was when I was assistant trainer, uh, I mean, when I worked for Tommy Skiffington, I mean, you almost could have put shackles on me. Jesus. I mean, <laughs> I don't know that he would have let me leave the barn. Like, I, I wasn't, you know, I was there from the middle of the night till, till, till <laughs> 7, 8 o'clock at night a lot of times. I mean, we were just like, you know, we, we were tethered to that place. No, I get it. I mean, you know, but that's what it took to and we, win. And we wanted it. And that's the right. thing. It wasn't like, I wasn't complaining. We we knew going in, when you're an assistant trainer for a big barn, especially a barn like that, and Tommy was very particular about how everything looked. He was one of the first guys that really started taking care of the barn, um, you know, making it more of a, a show place kind of atmosphere. And that took time, too. And that took effort and that took work. And he was very meticulous about taking care of the horses. And I remember one day he came in and, you know, I thought he was a madman. And he <laughs> wanted us to turn out every horse in the round pen. The round pen's like a little, uh, I don't know, 20 by 20 uh, uh, fenced in area with dirt. The horses go in, they run around a little bit, they roll around. He wanted us to turn every single horse out before they train. Now, oh, remember, boy. we had like 40 horses at the time. So training started at 530. <laughs> so we had to turn 40 horses out before we got done with training that day. And I remember the night watchman, he kept telling me, no comprende. <laughs> <laughs> no comprende. <laughs> what? Because he was like, uh, I don't get it. <laughs> we were starting at three o'clock in the morning, turning horses out, and they'd go out for five, ten minutes, and we'd pull them in, and it, it was. We did it for like I don't know, a week, ten days, and finally it was like, listen, you, you gotta, you gotta circle the ones that really you want to go out because we, the, there just aren't enough hours in the day. <laughs> yeah. I'm here till seven, eight o'clock at night. And I got to get here at three o'clock in the morning to turn these horses out because you got to put polos on, you got to put bell boots on, and you know it, it, that takes time. You got to take the other bandages off. It's like it was a a monumental task, but um, we did it until we finally just literally couldn't do it anymore. But that's that's what it takes. That's what it takes to work in a a, a barn. And I just don't like the fact that people tell me that you can't do that. That's wrong, or that's this, or that's that my time why, why should the state be able to tell me what i can do on my own time yeah that, that's one of the, the questions <laughs> you know but it, it just you know nothing fits they, they have to you know kind of 
use it situationally, you know, and, and in the situation of horse racing, it just doesn't fit. Well, if we had paid attention as an industry a long time ago to what the American Horse Council had been telling us about getting uh, an agricultural exemption, because that only makes sense. Yes, but <laughs> no one in, and no one in racing back then really gave it a second thought. Well, no, were they afraid no or one, just no one like whatever, man? To it. it was considered a trainer's problem. The owners oh. didn't want to hear about it. They, they oh, those aren't my employees. The tracks certainly didn't want to hear about it. The, the breed organizations, uh, the, nobody really wanted to talk about it. And the horsemen weren't smart enough to to get together and say, hey, let's, let's really push for this because this is important. But I think if we had the benefit of hindsight in that situation, sure, everybody would have been like, yes, we got to be called out. Absolutely. But, <laughs> but we weren't. And now we're in this, this situation where it's even tough to find people. It just is tough to find people. And um, in the state of Florida, you don't have this, the nearly the oversight you have in New York where they have maniacal people who work for the government uh, who just like live to try to find someone in some kind of technical violation to try to make their life as miserable as possible. But it's still, it's, it's, a, it's, a, tough, it's a tough situation to try to find um, people who Number one, are willing to work hard. Number two, aren't afraid of horses, have some experience with horses. And number three, be competent at their job, not want to smack the horses or beat up on the horses. Jeez. Um, and, <laughs> and just kind of you know, be willing to, to come in when it's raining, to willing to come in when it's, it's snowing or when it's uh, cold or when it's hot. And uh, be able to you know, go to the races and sit there all day waiting for your chance to, to race. Because it's not like, if, especially if you're shipping in, you know, you don't ship in like half hour. It's not like Farlap where you can like, you know, run off <laughs> from the, the, the truck shipping you in to right to the paddock and, and put the jockey up. You have to be there you know, hours and hours and hours before. And it's a waiting game. A lot of times, especially in the afternoon, it's just sitting around waiting. I can't tell you how many hours I've spent in paddocks. In at, at the Meadowlands at night, waiting for uh, to run the tenth race when it went off at eleven ten. When we've been sitting there since three o'clock, since we had to leave early to get from Belmont on Long Island to New Jersey, we didn't want to go at rush hour because, of course, it's New York City and it's rush hour. So we go early, and we get there, and we'd sit and wander around the backside or wander up to the front side or just kind of kill time for hours and hours and hours. It's, it's why I, night racing for a thoroughbred guy is, is sucks. Because, Hell, you know, the trotters mostly race at night, but they also don't get up at four thirty in the morning for the most part, either to start training early because they race at night, that their training hours are a lot longer if they're training at the track. And most of them don't, you know, train off the track anyway. So training at training centers where the, the hours are certainly a lot more liberal than at a racetrack. If you're racing in a day, you basically got to be done by 1030 so they can get the track ready for that afternoon. But, um, yeah, a lot of, I can't, I can't even imagine how many hours I spent sitting in a barn um, <laughs> at some track we'd shipped into just waiting for your chance to run. So Filiberto could give you a stellar ride and win, right? I'm still mad about Filiberto. 
I really oh, come on, man. He forgot the girths. And then he rode like the uh, Tommy Turner and Joe Bravo. He made him look like Lafitte Pinkai and Eddie Delahousse. They kept him boxed in. I was so mad. I was so mad about that ride. Oh, I'm still mad about that ride. As a matter of fact, when I see Leon, I'm going to smack him. <laughs> Make sure I'm there. I got a camera on my phone. so Don't play that guy in golf, though. He's pretty good. He'll hustle you for sure. He's got you that low him. center of gravity. You can hit it a long way. You can beat him in cards, though, for sure. Yeah, well, I give him a few Coronas and we're all set. He's actually a good guy. <laughs> yeah, no, he's cool. Man. I was mad that night, though, man. Oof, I was mad. Man. Still mad. <laughs> That's how mad you are. And the guy who was the groom for the horse had a wooden leg. <laughs> the Just the top of the whole thing. Add insult to injury. I'm telling you, I'm still cold. I still get shivers. It was so cold at the Meadowlands that night. It was so cold. The Meadowlands could sometimes feel like it was Antarctica. It was windy over there, The wind would be blowing, and you would just be so cold. It was just, oh. I love the Meadowlands harness, but, man, the the Meadowlands thoroughbred racing at night was. was, Oh, man, Monday nights were the best. Not for you, but for us. It was tough. It was tough, man. It was. It was long days. <laughs> and it was always cold. You know, it was like, you know, fall. Like They always seem cold. September, October-ish. And it's just chilly. So, we kind of let off tonight talking about social media. Mm. Always and fun. The Essex Stakes was run at Oak Lawn on the undercard of the Rebel. Um, it was won by Silver State, who was the favorite. It was six to five. Steve Asmussen, Winchell Thoroughbreds. You know, the usual suspects. Nice horse. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't that controversial. I didn't think so. A horse named R-rated superstar, who I believe is an eight-year-old, mm-hmm. trained by a guy named Federico Villafranco. <clears throat> no, he's a Midwestern guy. He's had some issues here and there. Danny Caldwell, who's a, a prominent Midwest owner in uh, the, I think, in the Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma region, um, ridden by a guy named Ramon Vasquez, who, who's, you know, they're a team. Those, those, right? Guys. Yeah, Remington connection. Our rated superstar is, I believe he's eight. And he's yeah, he's older. He's definitely older. He, he's, a, he's a good horse. He, he's kind of like one of those hard-knocking horses that he's kind of in and out. but um, Straight closer. He ran, he ran really well. He, oh, trust uh, me. I had him. I had him. He just missed. He was 20 to 1. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of came off the turn. And, and the Essex, is, 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 it's amazingly enough, it's a listed stake. And I think it used to be a great three. I thought but it was a listed three. It's a yeah. listed stake. It's a five hundred thousand dollar purse. <laughs> what? It's it's crazy. The the money at Oakland is just crazy. Um. Well, I watched the race, and I, I didn't really um. I, I didn't think anything of the race. It just was like, oh, it was a pretty good race, and turned the right. horse came up and just. 
petered out. You know, he, he made a big move, ran hard for a long way, rated R superstar, and just didn't have enough to get by the winner, I thought. I mean, unless I'm missing something. Yeah. So the next day on social media, a guy who works in the industry who never fails to pat the questionable guys on the back. Almost never. He starts taking offense to the ride, saying that any new fan that watched that would have been turned off because the ride hit the horse too many times. Uh, I didn't even count, to be honest with you. But So I was thinking, what race was that? And then I went back and I looked and I was like, I watched that race. Like, I didn't even notice it. And I didn't I, either. I've seen 50 million races. <laughs> so, um, no, I, usually it sticks out though. If, if they're really going after it and, and it's just a little bit much, you, so I, I notice it, but I watched the race over the stretch drive a couple of times and he was aggressive with the whip. There's no doubt, but he was hitting the horse like in a rapid fire fashion. He wasn't like reaching way up over his head and and, and cracking down on him. And I don't even know why people, I mean, I I watched the race and I said, I I didn't really even notice it until I watched it over again. And then I was like, and and he gave the horse a break a couple of times and the horse was responding. He was getting closer and closer. It's a $500,000 race. Those, those guys, they don't win $500,000 races every... That's not Joel Rosario or John Velasquez who rides in those races every single weekend and wins their fair share. These guys don't get that many chances at that kind of... So yeah, he was trying to win. And it becomes this huge debate. Oh my God, the race, uh, the people, oh, the, the, the animal rights people and the people, newcomers will be turned off and they'll never watch the race again, blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, one of the greatest races in the history of, of horse racing was Holy Bull's Travers. And Mike Smith hit Holy Bull about 20 times. I was going to say, it's like in the 18 water. to 20. And not a single person in, in 30 years has mentioned that. Not a single one. That race is held out as, as one of the great all-time shows of courage by a horse and now it's terrible and it's criminal and it's bad and everybody's gonna should feel bad i'm just sick of people telling me what horses think because how do they know what horses think most of those people wouldn't know a horse i hope they don't ran over it i'm tired of people telling me what everyone else thinks and this is this is a, a statement i don't care i will contest this with anyone the vast number of people out there don't give a shit about horse racing. They don't give a shit what we do. If you say to them, should horses be hit with whips or not hit with whips? Well, a lot of, of course, they're going to say, well, they shouldn't be hit with whips. Because what kind of question is that? It's a loaded question. But the whip is part of the game, and it's always been part of the game. And that doesn't mean that there shouldn't be regulations and there shouldn't be restrictions and people that abuse the whip should be uh, punished. And, and the, the irony of the whole argument is that I was never a guy that was big on, 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 on horses <clears throat> getting hit. And I would tell my jocks all the time, if my horse is beat, let him be beat. If he's not getting a money position, stop worrying about it. Let him go. What's the point? 
There was right. one jockey, I, I, I was going to strangle him one day at Churchill Downs because he was beating up a horse who was stopping him. And the horse was stopped. And he was mad because he was beat as the favorite. And maybe the horse had bled or maybe in trapped. I don't know what was the point. And I, I told him, I said, you know what? So I ever see you beat a horse like that again, I'm going to beat you. And he, he kind of got a little scared. And he should have. And it wasn't my horse. And that doesn't make me like better than anybody. But the point is this, is that stop making these aspirations as though you speak for the rest of the world. You don't. You're a nobody. You're, you're, you're lucky you're employed. Like Stop speaking for the rest of the world. Everyone well, I think, have their opinion. And, and you, uh, you don't have to have the same opinion. Right. And I, I think, you know, what, what's permeated into society and into horse racing where they come together a lot, you know, it's, it's very parallel universe. Um, where there's no there's no nuance. It's it's either one way or the other way. There's no in between. There's no ability to think or or reason with uh, uh, an opinion. It's it's either one way or the other. Nothing in between. You can't say, oh well, you know that horse that was running was eight years old. He's been to the track a lot. Maybe he can handle something like that. You know, just just any kind of idea other than just nope, that's wrong. Nope, this is right. If someone says, you know, I think he hit the horse too many times, it, it really just should have been, he should have got fined, he should have been this, should have been, okay, fine. You can live with that, yeah. That's your opinion, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't have to agree with it, I can, I can't, whatever, that's your opinion. But to make these statements as though the whole world like <laughs> is going to condemn horse racing because Ramon Vasquez and some listed stake on the undercard of a race in Arkansas where there was 2,000 people there saw this. Yeah, it's a and it's going to ruin racing because of it. It's nuts. Because I can give you a million examples of races in the past where everybody praised the races and said how great it was. They hit the horse worse than that. <laughs> I remember yeah. seeing a, a a little little two jockeys get into it and <laughs> um, about a Breeders' Cup race, and and some and one of them said, "Hey, you know, you weren't saying very much about whip." usage when you hit the horse 14 times Jerry, in the stretch. What about Jerry Bailey? I, I'd say to write to Jerry Bailey. I'll call Jerry Bailey tonight and tell him. Nobody <laughs> hit a horse harder than Jerry Bailey. Nobody. Yeah, he wants to be political correct now. Which is fine. People can change their minds. People can have a different view. Well, yeah, people grow. I don't, I don't, I don't mind it. And that's the thing is, I don't... You can have whatever opinion you want. Just stop talking for the rest of the world. And, and whatever you do, stop talking to, uh, for the horses. <clears throat> oh, the horses wouldn't want a shot of Lasix. They wouldn't. They'd rather bleed. You think that's fun to bleed internally? You think that's uh, uh, you think that's fun? What about a horse that's a little sore? You don't think he'd want a little shot of butte? It wouldn't help? You'd say, ah, no, screw it. I'm organic. Feed me carrots. No, not the sore. <laughs> the, the that's what he told me. That's what you he know, told me. Like, fine, just stop. <clears throat> you know, people, since this pandemic has started, I've gotten very comfortable telling other people what to do. Yes, I concur. You know, I, I just don't like, I, I just don't get it sometimes. Why people I do. in this business get, get, the, the, get a paycheck from this business. And believe me, a lot of them are unemployable anywhere else. <laughs> Pro- probably me too. Can't wait to like stir up some some criticism 
and then want to talk as though they are the voice of authority on um, the, like they've been uh, elected by the other 330 million people in this country to, to, to talk for them because they would anyone who watched that race new new person would would, would walk away from this point <laughs> it's just stupid and tell me science come on with your science yeah that's that's a that's a bit much um you know what i wish i could do i swear i wish i could do i wish every time someone gave me one of those oh well the science behind it i wish i could just blast that thomas dolby song and <laughs> me with science like right into like oh man i would, I would love, love to that. hit him with that like bang well, I could I could make you a little little video. <clears throat> oh, that was a weird song. You know, it's kind of weird. There were so many songs. That video was weird. That were like weird. Remember the one uh, one night in Bangkok? Oh man, what was that about? Uh, that what was that guy's name. He was kind of a, the. Uh... Yeah, there was I so many that. weird like one hit one weirdos. Hit. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was definitely. Of course, uh, I I don't watch like shows like the Grammys because I don't really care, and I never really got into like award shows. I didn't even watch the horse race. Like, there's nothing worse than watching the Eclipse Awards. It's like yeah, award shows are the show. Birds, bro, that, that's no good. You know, like the good. The, you know, it's a good award show, the NFL Awards. But you know, when I watch, I watch like the first part when like Steve Harvey does his monologue, and then I turn it off because the rest <laughs> of it sucks. <laughs> But, right, uh, unless they're showing highlights or something. It's yeah, it's just I like, got yeah, no interest. Ah, it's just it's the same old stuff. But the ESPYs, but, um, the ESP, the ESPYs kind of like they were good for a while, then they kind of got like right. It got too big and it's bougie. And did the ESPYs ever get the horse racing thing right? Like they always pick the jockey <clears throat> like having a shitty year, but he was a big name, so they <laughs> like I always used to think, who are you voting for the ESPYs for for for? horse racing because they never vote for the guy who's the best jog or the best horse. Are you, are you making fun of Mike Smith right now? Oh, my love's Mike Smith. Oh, I was going to say. Because he Mike didn't he win it like three times? I don't even remember. I, I remember Victor Espinosa won it one time and I was thinking, man, I wouldn't even Yeah, well, that guy. was the chrome year. I wouldn't even ride that guy. I, <laughs> I rode him once. I wanted a, a, a true story. I almost, oh, Rodney. <laughs> yeah. No, that was the Sarmo. Rodney was Oh. <laughs> There's so many times you wanted to attack jockeys. I was just, I got it mixed up. Well, Rodney, you know, his anger sometimes gets the best of him. That's why he goes on those, <laughs> you see him on Instagram hiking through the foothills of LA. <laughs> That's how Brownie Sundays happen. Oh, uh, man. But, you know, he grew up in Saratoga. He grew up in Saratoga. He, part of life is being man at jockeys. I remember when I was a little kid. I was, I don't know, probably about 15. Richard Privatera. Richard Privatera was like two foot 11. Uh, <laughs> he rode in New York for a while. And he, he wasn't very good. I mean, he was just okay. I don't remember. I said something to him one day and he, he wanted to fight me. And I laughed. You when know, I was like 15 or 10, whenever <laughs> I was, I was bigger than him. That's all you needed to know. Yeah. But, uh, yes, yeah, the one great thing about Saratoga is the jockeys always had to walk through the, um, you know, at Belmont, they had to walk back through the tunnel. Um, right, you couldn't get at them. <laughs> but um, Saratoga, you know, they walked back through the through the uh, through the through the crowd through the grandstand, which is always you know one of the unique things about about Saratoga. And they, it better be open this year. Well, what about uh, they the, better be able to figure out some some way of getting that place open? What about the Florida Derby, bro? 
I don't know. I don't know what the deal is here. I, I really don't get it. I mean, are they? Are there? Somebody actually uh, DM me on uh, Twitter asking me if if they were letting fans in, and I was like, "If you hit no Powerball, you can buy some tickets." I have no idea. No, I don't. I don't know that. I, I don't. I, I don't know. Things are so confusing in terms of racing, and I guess Keeneland had like a like a lottery for tickets for some people, and I, I, I don't know. I'm. I'm I'm dumbfounded. I'm baffled. I really still don't know what's going on with the Derby. I mean, has, has nobody know? does. Like, at what point are they going to tell people? They better start soon. <clears throat> I mean, it's I like mean, it's it's like six weeks away, right? I mean, like at least by April first at the latest. You know, people are making plans. I mean, Tom Brady wants to know. Yeah, he gave out his cell phone number on, on Twitter just to find out. The Derby has become like this. The Kentucky Derby was always big. It was always the biggest race. But from from where it was to what it is now, it's it's just crazy. It really is. I mean, I give Churchill a lot of credit in it. They they really made it. Um, it was and like I said it was always a big event. It was always a huge thing, but it became like this 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 thing to do, like a a celebrity kind of thing to do. You know, it wasn't just the Derby. It was the Derby. It's like the Pegasus, right? Same thing. Well, the Pegasus because we go. Yeah, even, though well, to, even though we had to sneak in. I was going to say, they had it on uh, lockdown tighter than the Capitol building now. Yeah. I walked in and gave them the head nod, and they went for it. and they Gave me the Heisman. We, we, <laughs> we tried to sneak Barry in as David and Gordo. It almost worked. <laughs> it almost worked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It'd be like David and Gordo would be like Spud Webb, and you'd be like uh, <laughs> Taco Fall. <laughs> you should have seen the lady's face when I showed it to her. <laughs> uh, just saying, Barry and David don't exactly look alike. What do you mean? We're brothers. Brothers at arms, man. Ask him; he'll tell you. Yeah, that was that was kind of the, the whole the whole way that it's being done has been weird since Mammoth had fifteen hundred people, but you couldn't go here, but you could go here, and you couldn't do this. And the guy, oh, and that was the guy so... got in trouble for going in the winter circle. And, and... Oh yeah, I almost forgot about that. That yeah. was that was stupid. Like the whole thing is stupid. Yeah, and then at the metal ends that same night, they somebody won a race and it was like forty people in the winter circle. <laughs> 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 which stopped uh, I think that was the last time they did that too well I, you know my thing is I, I want to go down and visit I want to I want to sp- spend some time and money down there and I, I don't I mean we could always sneak in for sure oh yeah I, I don't doubt that but it's easier the other way you know <laughs> yeah this is a we're jockeys It's just frustrating seeing these races and, and you know, not being a, hey, you know what? Maybe we should go down there for next weekend, you know? 
that's that's usually how I roll. But I mean, it's just like I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't even take a chance unless I was going down there for something else and be like, hey, maybe I'll stop by the track see if I can get in. Yeah, it's it's kind of confusing. It's it's been confusing, and it's uh, you know hopefully if it's not too long until until there's a lot more clarity and and we know who can go where and what and why. Well, isn't isn't Florida technically open? Florida is very open, but right. I, so I've I don't understand it, why everything's the open. But issue isn't with the state; it's with the county or with the city oh, of Palmdale. Okay. Palmdale Beach. Yeah, so <clears throat> they're still mad about. I don't think they're really wanting to blast them like publicly. So I, I really don't know. It's 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 hard to figure. I mean, this whole. I mean. I made the mistake last night of thinking that I could go to the store about seven o'clock at night. Eh, sucker. And the traffic was brutal. Yeah, man. It's spring break, bro. Spring break, people are here. Oh man, I, I should show you the They're videos here I got in force. They are... I should show you the videos I got. I, there's a motorcycle club um, right next to my house, like a, a block away, and it was bike week last week. It was absolutely mobbed saw some of the best bikes you ever want to see though um but yeah they know i mean they were out in full force here last weekend i mean you know on on friday night that's all i could hear all night were motorcycles just zooming up my street all night long the um the boardwalk is packed oh i can imagine are packed like like packed packed I just wow. want them all to leave. Yeah, so I can go get onion rings. Someone, oh man, I was over there the other day. Oh, this <laughs> lady came unglued. <laughs> she was like, she 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 looked. I don't know. She she, she weighed about four hundred pounds, and she was with she the onion rings too. She, man. she was with this skinny little dude that looked like a homeless dread guy, who was about seventy. And, <laughs> And man, she, she was like going nuts. And they actually screwed my order up, and they gave me two dinners instead of okay, the, okay. I didn't get my onion rings, but I got a I got a, a fried shrimp dinner on top of. of my oh, yeah, with that, that's that's what I need in my life right about now. Man, there was cops everywhere. It, it was it was like damn the other night. I, I gotta skip that neighborhood for a couple of weeks until all the spring break stuff, dude. But that. Those onion rings keep even last the name. night, man. I, I couldn't even get the. I wound up at Popeyes. No, oh, you just got. Then walk. they ran out of legs. <laughs> that was like having a meltdown on the drive-through. We got no legs. I was like, dude, it's a leg. Just substitute with something else. <laughs> I don't care. No one wants the leg, anyways. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. I was going to go to the store. It was going to take 15 minutes. And it wound up taking an hour and a half. And I wound up at, at, at uh, um, Popeye's. At least did you get the sandwich, at least? No, I went with the chicken strips. Oh, boy. You're on the breezy plan, dude. Breezy knows what time it is, man. <laughs> you know, the only thing I don't like about the chicken is the pickles. 
And I like pickles. I just don't like their pickles. I, I can feel me. that. I can feel I that. No, I, I, I understand. I, I, I was when, when the guy went off about the leg, I wasn't making any other changes to my order. Nah, you don't know what you were going to get. No, no, exactly. You like, might get a real leg. No, 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 we're good, we're good, we're good. <laughs> we got no legs. I was like, that's all right. I don't know, man. I, maybe I should stop going to drive throughs It's hard out there. I'm getting to look like Charles Barkley a little bit. Or or just take the trip to, like, Boynton to get some chicken. <sighs> I got to go to Boynton tomorrow. There's been all kinds of accidents, too. That's the other thing. The Florida Turnpike's been closed more oh, than the last few days. Dude. I, that's one thing I, I don't miss about living in South Florida is the traffic and accidents. Ugh. It's just brutal. This time of the year, it's just comically bad. Yeah, because all the tourists that, you know, from, from like, Montreal come down here. And this, this is, and this is without, <laughs> the, this is without the, the Quebecis. The Frenchies aren't here this year. No. No. Oh yeah, they're they're on quarantine status still, aren't they? Yep. Yep. They they their border still not like. I guess. I guess you have to have a real good reason to go, but. Uh, yeah, even with even without the Frenchies, it's it's it's, it's crazy. This it's like the last like week, it, it's gotten from, you know, going from relatively quiet to relatively nuts. I'll be happy when it's over. Yeah, well, what was that two weeks? I hope so. I hope so. Because it's not fun. Traffic is never fun. Nah. In any any situation, even on the racetrack, traffic is no good. Traffic trouble. That's what I'm worried about with Ron Bauer. I know Jay Bidas is gonna like curse me. It's a no shot. No shot, Chuck. <laughs> JB says no shot. Then no shot. I said, listen, he's 109 to one. Okay, if I bet him a 20 to one, I would be I mean, saying the same thing. He can't be that bad. 109 to one. Listen, if he makes it in the Derby field, he'll be 30, 40 to one. You should get paid worth. for that. You should get an automatic 20 if he makes the race. I, could, I should get like a buyout. Yeah, like a you know. Like uh, insurance on blackjack. Insurance, exactly. Insurance, Rombauer insurance. You take you can take the twenty, or you can press for one hundred and eight to one. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll take my chances. Yeah, I take my chances too. I mean, I, there's worse horses out there. It's just the problem is he hasn't run. No, he hasn't run hardly at all. And... It's just so weird, man. <laughs> it's just counterintuitive. To me, it's like, all right, well, we got to get our horse in shape. We got to let him run. But it's I guess, the opposite. I guess it's a lot of, lot of guys just want to get, they just want to get, they just want to get in. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame them to a certain degree, but it's like, you know, that story you talked about with the chief. It, it's like what you did and, and, and how you suggested just, you know, uh, to train him for a mile instead of running him is more the rule than the exception now. Right. And that's, it seems, it, it seems backwards to me. Yeah. It's, it's a little weird. It's definitely a little weird. Um, so, so next week we have, um, 
we have the Louisiana Derby. Should be fun. The Mandolin Derby. Don't bet against Mandaloon or Mandolin, Mandolin or Bet against that horse. I'm I'm down with that. We have the Jeff Ruby. Ooh. On f- Saturday or Friday? Saturday. Saturday. Oof. Brutal. Uh, the following week. Is it the following week? No, I think it's the week after that. Because um, the following week will be the 27th, right? Yeah, that, that's the Florida Derby. Yeah, Florida Derby, and then the week after that is Arkansas Derby. If I'm not mistaken, the Wood, Arkansas Derby, and Lexington all on the same day. Or Bluegrass, sorry. Yeah. They're all on the same day. They're the same day, right. Um, This year, the Sunland Park Derby was canceled because racing in New Mexico is kaput. Is kaputski. Really, it's really screwed up, man. I feel bad for the people that in Arizona. My goodness, that is just horrible. What's going on out there, man? Yeah, no doubt. Um, but we do. We we have the the Jeff Ruby, Ruby. And we have the uh, but the Louisiana Derby. And then the following week, we have the Jeff Ruby, the UAE Derby. Though <clears throat> going in circles doesn't regard those races. Even I, we'll, we'll defer to Pat Cummings. Pat, Pat Cummings will have to give us the, the scoop there. Um, it is a $2 million race. <laughs> I know, which is absurd. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the least heralded $2 million race. Like, well, next nobody, to the, the World nobody Cup. Nobody ever I mean, likes anybody that comes out of that race. That's a $2 million race. And the, the Saudi Cup just decimated the, the Dubai World Cup. Just completely just knocked it out of play. Yeah, the Dubai World Cup is next week too, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just yeah, Luis Diaz is, is uh, I guess he's packing up. He's he's, he's leaving for South Florida. He's going to ride next week, and uh, I think the Louisiana Derby, um, which is a million dollar race, and uh, the following week I think he's going to Dubai to, to... and then he come back to Keeneland, right? He'll come back to Keeneland, yeah. So Luis Diaz is finito. It, it's really crazy when you think about the Kentucky Derby and when you look at some of the purses of these prep races. These are all prep races. You know what the interesting thing about a lot of these preps? They would get the same fields if the purse was half of what it is. Oh, absolutely. You know, at this point, guys are trying for, you know, they're trying for derby points. The points are what matters. The Arkansas Derby is a million dollars. The Rebel was a million dollars. The Woods, seven fifty. The Santa Anita Derby seven fifty. The Bluegrass is six hundred. The Florida Derby seven fifty. The UAE Derby is two million. The Jeff Ruby Stakes is two hundred thousand. The Louisiana Derby is a million. The Louisiana Derby is a million, and like nobody ever gets any respect coming out of that. <laughs> Never. It's a million Ever. dollar race. It's just it's just weird how that pattern goes like that. You know, yeah. where it's, you know, there's no, I mean, when, when was anybody any good from, from out of Louisiana in those prep races? I mean, the only one that rings a bell is Risen Star and that's, 
yeah, way out of scope. Yeah, decades ago. Right, that's way out of scope. There had to be one since then, right? <laughs> it's hard to think of one off the top of your head. Right. You go through the, the, the I mean, you, the leaderboard right now, you have greatest honor and life is good. Both have 60 points. All right. Two legit horses. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mandolin is got 52. He's running in the Louisiana Derby. I'm assuming that'll be his last prep. Um, Contra Tour got 50. He's so in. He's in. <clears throat> Remains to be seen if he's going to come back in the uh, the Arkansas Derby or if he's going to take a different route. Helium, who's in? Not gonna run. run. (laughs) But I was there for the wedding. I'll skip the funeral. Uh, Wayburn as well. I I know Jimmy's gonna run him in the wood. I don't know if the two turns will be better for him or not. Um, you know, it's 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 a question for sure. Essential qualities basically in with forty. Um, yeah, he could little, use a little boost. Yeah, I would. I'd be a little nervous if, for some reason, he weren't earning any points his next start, uh, which I believe is the Bluegrass Medina Spirit. He's a thirty-four bubble so bubble team. He's gonna have to do a little something. Um, don't know where he's gonna show up next as, as well. I don't know if Bob. Baffert might just leave him in California and run him and life is good against each other again. Um, they seem like they're the best two. Well, if they run one, two, they're both in for uh, sure. Yes, sir. Um, Midnight Bourbon is running in the, the uh, Louisiana Derby. He's got 26. Proxy also in there. He's got 24. Hidden Stash is 22. I'm going to guess he's going to come back in the Bluegrass. Uh, Hozier got 20 points he needs some help I'm not a big Hozier person drain the clock he's got 20 he's not coming crowded trade ran good the other day but he's also a horse that's got one six wrong race and one mile race uh, he's only won one race so he's going to have to step up I'm sure he'll come back in wood or, or the Probably the bluegrass or the wood, one or the other. Keep me in mind, who I thought was made a huge mistake in skipping, um, skipping the the postponed race and, and and waiting and waiting and waiting for the rebel. He didn't fire at all, and didn't he get bothered by uh, Cadeau River. I think he got bothered more by the fact that he was slow, over the top. Yeah. Um. Spielberg, your horse got 17 points. I don't think he's getting in. Jackson, Dude, don't don't 14. fall asleep at the wheel with that guy. I'm telling you. Ron Bauer, my man, got 14. Right. <laughs> he needs Capo, some help. Capo Kane, who I, I can't imagine <clears throat> still on the Derby Trail, has got 12. Papa Two, with Mr. Sano, who he's going to give it another shot, I'm sure, in the Florida Derby. I don't know that he really wants to go mile and ace. Uh, Hot Rod Charlie's got 10 points. He's in, a, in this weekend at Louisiana. <sighs> Sitting on go, get her number, risk-taking, Cotto River, Candyman Rocket, highly motivated. I mean, highly motivated, right? Here, here's a horse. That's the Chad Brown horse. Right? Yeah, he's got 10 points right now. Yeah. 
he's sitting here at 10.45 days away. And he's a pretty good horse. And, and on his best, he, he probably might have a shot of being a contender. Right. He's probably top 10. I mean, talent. And, and he's got he's got 10 points. Brooklyn Strong, who, who hasn't run, he's got 10 points. Well, they don't leave themselves any outs. It's like, you know, they get one, maybe two cracks at it. And if they don't, they don't do anything. They're they're out, and that's yeah. that's. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I mean everybody else. It's like they have they literally have two or three points, and they, they're just they got to run one too. And you know, you you start looking at some of these races. It's going to be hard to run one two in the San Anita Derby. It's going to be hard to run one, two in the Oakland Park, uh, in the Arkansas Derby. I'm actually anxious to see the field size of the Sanity. The bluegrass, you have essential quality in there. It's going to be hard yeah. to run one, two in that race. So uh, I think some of these guys are just cut this way too short, way too close. That was keeping in mind. I kept saying the Southwest, he should just run them, get a race into his belt. If he's got to wheel them back or, or you know. Right, wheel them back. But now. Yeah. You know, worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. But the guy is a he's a, he's got four million horses. They're mostly claiming, and he doesn't you know he doesn't quite know how to play this game yet. And I don't know if the horse is sound or not sound or whatever. I mean, we never know that. That's one of the questions no one's going to admit. But a horse with that horse's right racing style, why why wouldn't you want to run him three times, let alone two? Because the closer, a closer doesn't usually, they usually come out of the race fresher than a, than a speed horse. Speed horses are running as hard as they can every single step. The closers are not. A lot of times they just lag along in the beginning part of the race and, and, and finish up strong. And you're also, you know, you're at the mercy of pace. You're at the mercy of trip. You're at the mercy of so many things that, that a lot more can go wrong for a horse coming from, uh, off the pace with a horse's style like that, then then a horse, um, you know, who's up close, who, who has less uh, traffic in in, in his uh, in his wake, you know, or in his way, not his wake. You want to put it in his wake, but um, you know, live and learn, right? Yeah, they're gonna be outside looking in. Honestly, I don't like any of the horses. I don't like any of the horses from Kentucky. No, I mean, you last know, fall, uh, the Kentucky horses, uh, outside of essential quality, <clears throat> the rest of them you can keep. I, I don't like any of them. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm with you there. But at least the, the top, let's say, five or six are pretty interesting as far as running style. How yeah, they, you no know, doubt. So I guess that that's the the silver lining in all this, th- those horses are pretty interesting. All of them are, are kind of different in their own way. And it should make for a good mix depending on, you know, obviously post position draw on Derby day and all that kind of stuff. So remember you, you might be a little too young for this, but <laughs> in the seventies when I was just a little kid, trucking was like a big thing, like truckers, you know, like yeah, TV radios and, Remember that guy had that song, uh, Convoy? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, the Kentucky Derby might be like a Baffert Convoy. It's definitely a Baffert Convoy. Like, he's going to have, like, Life It's Good 
on the lead. Conchator sitting second right outside of him. Medina Spear three wide. Uh, Spielberg four wide. Uh, Hozier five wide. <laughs> just blocking everybody. Yeah, behind just him. like blocking everybody the whole way. I mean, they're going to have like a convoy, man. They're going to. Well, not all of them can get in. I, you know what I mean? There's somebody that's not going to fire. One of those horses is not going to fire. I don't know which one. If if you see two, Spielberg. I mean, that's, that's the old, Spielberg. you know. Spielberg. Spielberg. Hey, man. <laughs> Spielberg. <laughs> no, that's the old thing, you know, I, I, I always hear. And it, and it kind of is true that if Baffert runs two, one of them's firing, one of them isn't. Um. But, geez, I mean, the guy's loaded. <laughs> Just completely aces full. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And he people, really is. you know, he, and, he, and, I, and I, I gather he likes the playing the villain role, you know. Well. He doesn't have I much choice at this point. It's so yeah. because he, you know, he was the, the media darling when when he first got involved, and he was kind of like the the anti Lucas. You know, Lucas was like the the guy who dressed in suits, and Baffert was the guy who dressed in jeans, and and you know, Lucas kind of had the fancy barn, and Baffert didn't care about that kind of stuff, and you know, he's kind of a funny guy, and his hair was you know was always part of the deal, and and now the tables have turned. It's, yes. it's, so, it's so funny how that's now now Wayne is like the the um now they're friends and they used to be like enemies and and now Wayne is like the the, the fuzzy you know grandfatherly like gold guy and <laughs> poor Nick Zito they're putting him on TVG he's got you know no horses that can really run any good Leroy Jolly was the same way Leroy Jolly was so big Leroy Man. Jolly was bigger than any current trainer is maybe outside of Baffert. In yeah, the I remember. Leroy Jolly was bigger than Todd Bletcher's. Even Jolly when he had Gulch. I mean, pounds. even when he Leroy had Gulch. Leroy Jolly he... did a light beer commercial. It's amazing. It was Miller Light, right? It was it was light. Taste like, great, great less, less filling, yes. Yeah. I think I remember Can you that. imagine a beer commercial asking a thoroughbred trainer outside of Baffert? They wouldn't even know who, 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 who we exist. Leroy Jolly was a huge trainer. And by the, you know, the twilight of his career, he had nothing. He had nothing. It's 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 one of the things, you know, the Barkley Tag's been able to uh, you know, push off and still get good horses, you know, some good horses. Uh, even Jimmy Toner, right? And Jimmy Toner's great trainer. Oh, man. Turf trainer. Phillies, especially, and you don't see him much anymore. He doesn't have much for, for horses, and sometimes these guys outlive their owners too. That that's that's another problem. Yeah, I was gonna say that might happen. You know, <laughs> yeah, you outlive your owners, and the kids don't really want to get. You know, they're not that interested. And, but um, yeah, a lot of a lot of guys don't. You know, they don't. Uh, they don't get a. They, they they start not getting those same horses that. The same chances they used to get, and um, it's it's a it's a little it's a little sad in, in, in some ways. You know, it's sad the way the chief went out. The chief went out with 
with a bunch of crows. I mean, he didn't have hardly anything to train uh, his last couple of years. And it's hard to compete with the big fancy outfits these days that are literally texting you a, a video of your horse's work as it happens or, you know, the old school guys are, are, are really at a disadvantage in, in that fashion. But, uh, it's, it's, it is kind of sad. Even, uh, even jockeys. I mean, I saw the tail end of Billy Shoemaker's career when I was at Arizona, he, he was just getting, you know, last couple of years. Uh, I mean, really Ferdinand was his last real hurrah. Yeah. And that was like a comeback. Yeah, so, um, you know, he, he, he people kind of make fun of Mike Smith, and, and believe me, Bill Shoemaker was, he rode wider than Mike, really. Um, so, I, you know, I, I didn't really get a chance to see him in, in his prime riding all the time, because back then we didn't, we couldn't, we didn't see races from everywhere like we do now. You know, you'd see those guys when they came to your track, but, um, you know, you got to look at a guy like Edgar Prado. No, oh, I love Edgar. That's my man's top guy for years and years and years. Now you know he's he's you know he's still out there trying and competing, but just doesn't get the the mounts that that he used to. And, and it's all about mounts. It's like that kid calling up today. I said it's about what's in your barn, not what you do with them. It's what you're in, what's in the barn. Because if if you don't have that that clay to mold, it doesn't matter. You're you're mm-hmm. you're you're going to be in trouble. You need to have horses that can win at some <laughs> class, some way, some shape, some form. Um, and that's uh, you know, that's the truth. So, yeah. Tomorrow's a new day. Yes, it is. Hopefully. It'll be a sunny day here. Oh, yeah. It's going to be sunny. It's going to be 87. 87. I heard it was summertime. Snowing in Chicago. In Colorado, getting buried. Colorado's like one step away from Alaska. (laughs) All they have is uh, big mountains. Weed and skiing. and, And the Joker. They got the Joker. Yeah. They don't have March Madness, though. Colorado is in the tournament. I know they did make it. <laughs> I did a bracket last night. Because what? Someone paid There's no me. way I could do it. The only the only team I saw Spears, that was any Spears good was paid Gonzaga. for me to get in, in, a, in a tournament. Oh, he's, he's coming to Florida, by the way. Mr. Spears will be here this week. Oh, whoa, so, whoa. Florida right. Derby, the, the, the Gulfstream might have to take proper precautions. Definitely when he's in town, man. But um, That means I might have to make that trip. <laughs> so he, he, he paid for me for an entry and, and won this. There's... And I'll be honest, I really had got no a good shot. I got a good shot. I just picked teams. And then I went back after I picked and looked at the point spreads. And I'm like, man, I got like nine dogs in one bracket. Well, if the, if any time that's going to happen, it's this year. It's going to be nutty. Unless it just chalks out completely, which is certainly possible. I was thinking that. It's like, you know what might happen? It should be the craziest year. There should be, you know, everyone's so 
ill-prepared and, and teams are getting in to have 12, 13 wins. And, and it, it'll be all favorites. You watch it. It'll be all the favorites. All higher seeds. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to when Gonzaga wins it all. They're going to try to put an asterisk next to it and say, oh, well, you know, they're on the feet of season came and they didn't play as many games. <laughs> yeah, meanwhile, Louisville's in the AE list. <laughs> and Rick Patino's in. Patino's in. Kentucky and Louisville are out. Even Western Kentucky got kicked out. Morehead State's in. Yeah. So I don't know how for how long they're gonna be in, but they are in. Uh, every time I see Western Kentucky, I think of my friend John Asher. Man, that guy was the best. He was one of the best guys you ever want to meet. Like, just a, a good guy. Like. It was impossible. And John Asher worked for Churchill, who does so many things that just make you want to, like, like, you know, scream and pull your hair out if you have any. And, and he, he, he made, you know, he always felt bad sometimes when he, he had to make so many announcements that he had to make. Yeah. And he was, like, the best guy. And he was, he was the biggest. He was a Western Kentucky alum. Hilltopper. He was a big, he was a big guy. I mean, he loved uh, he loved Western Western Kentucky, but uh, every time I see the man, I think about some some of the people you know we've lost. And John Asher was just a good guy, man. He was just a great guy. And Luke, Luke Cryposh. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about those two guys working in the, under the same umbrella. <laughs> you know, two of the greatest guys you're ever gonna meet. Luke was the best. He really was. He was uh, he was a great guy. And he helps so many guys. You know, there aren't that many really good announcing jobs. Um, and as you've seen from the, the Larry Colmus um, deals, you can certainly price yourself out. Tracks seem to have a ceiling at how much they're willing to pay um, those guys. But Luke would help everybody. Anybody trying to break in, he would he would do anything he could for him. And knowing that, hey, maybe someday that guy's gonna get good and replace me, but he, he didn't care. He was just that type of guy. That's cool. You know? And man, you didn't want to drink with him. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> he would embarrass you. But uh Yeah, he was he was he was a great guy. A really great guy. Anyways, I don't want to end on a melancholy note. <laughs> Let's get him in the in the Louisiana Derby. That's all I can say. I think the last time I cashed a ticket at Fairgrounds was like explosive wagon in like the nineteen eighty four the Risen Star, whatever it was before the Risen Star. <laughs> I think the only time I ever cash at, at, at uh, Fairgrounds is on Thanksgiving. <clears throat> Other than that, I don't hit. <clears throat> I, I swear, I literally cannot remember. When I was stable there, I don't remember cashing any tickets. Better off. It was always funny. I was surprised when I won there. Every time I won there, I was a surprise. Every time I got beat a bunch of times when I thought I'd win. Almost every win I had at the Fairgrounds was a surprise. Not that I had a whole lot of them. I only went there for a couple of years. But kind of an interesting place. 
I went two years after the big hurricane. So it was really kind of a different different vibe, yeah. But um tell you one thing. The food is unbelievable. I went on the Neil Pesson lunch tour. Oh boy. Neil Pesson brought me to all these like hole in all places. We'd eat mufaladas and oh. man. It was it was great. But the food was amazing. If I lived there I would weigh seven hundred pounds. <laughs> I would make Dale Romans look like a jockey. Wow. That's a big, that's bold, bold statement. The food is great there. It is. But I never cash tickets there. I don't even bet there very much. No, I don't but either. No. I, I can't figure that place out. The long stretch kind of screws my head. But, but that's, that's this week's race. So we'll be paying attention to it. And... Yes, sir. See what we got going on, and we got no, you know, March Madness is now a Friday through Monday thing. <laughs> uh, and that's it. We got about 30 seconds. All right. We got Mr. Spears will be here next year. As a matter of fact, next week we'll have a special guest appearance by Mr. Dave Spears. Oh, yes. That's what I'm talking about. Straight from that. Saratoga. We can hear about his exploits with the great Tom Durkin. Yes, indeed. Great stories. All right, Mr. Hey, everyone. I want to talk to you about BRL Equine. BRL Equine is a company that would be considered by most the premier equine supplement company in horse racing. They spent a lot of money, millions, on, on research and development before they put these products out. This is not... Uh, a fly-by-night organization just tossing some couple things together and and throwing it out there. The they use FDA supervised facilities. What they say is in the products is actually in the products. Nothing illegal, nothing illicit. It's perfectly legal and it's beneficial for your horse's health. They have a new product called Flexify that's been only uh, out on the market for I think about six weeks. And the early returns are great. I know a lot of trainers that have given me feedback. And these are guys that are going to tell me the truth. Um, There's a million supplements out there. A lot of things that people have tried that haven't really been effective. And so far, everyone seems to really believe that Flexify HA is a a really excellent uh, supplement to help the horse's joints. Contact my friend Joe Vellante at 215-501-6880 or get a hold of me at goingincirclespodcast at gmail.com and I will get Joe in touch with you. And uh, if you're lucky, you might even get him for a lunch. But BRL Equine is a really good company and they have some really, really good supplements. And if you're an owner... Ask your trainer. If you're a trainer, give Joe a call. Thanks.